Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I am flying solo tonight. Um, Grant is doing a little bit of traveling and the scheduling which is going to be a little bit tough. And honestly, um, it might be the case that this team is not worth changing your schedule for. So uh, <laughs> we, we didn't want to stay up until midnight trying to record a recap of a game where TCU just got absolutely murdered. So I'm going to do a little bit of a monologue tonight and talk about, you know, what TCU did and didn't do in their loss to West Virginia yesterday. So um, Bad times are here. TCU is three and four. They fall to one and three in the conference after uh, just an absolutely uh, abysmal game. The offense was held scoreless in three of four quarters. TCU jumped out to a seven nothing lead on a uh, pretty impressive Darius Davis return kick on the very first play of the game. They go on to be outscored uh, twenty nine to ten by West Virginia, uh, held scoreless in the second half. Um, it was not a good game. It was not a good game in any way, shape, or form. It was especially not a good game because the offense was supposed to do a lot more um, and should have done a lot more. Um, that is something that that's pretty pretty bad. It TCU should have been able to score a lot more on West Virginia than ten points over uh, nine possessions. And so tonight, I do want to talk about the offense, and I do want to deep dive kind of what went wrong with the offense, because I think there was a couple of things, and notably one specific thing uh, that West Virginia did that kind of contributed to this this really, really poor offensive performance. Um, I will talk about the defense first, because we knew that the defense was bad. We knew the defense was going to play poorly. I tweeted in a reply to someone on, on Saturday that Letty Brown is a uh, sleeping dragon, and Turns out that was that was pretty true. Letty Brown, 111 yards per, uh, not yards per, 111 yards overall. 24 carries. He had three touchdowns. Absolutely, just murdered TCU in the red zone. Um, and Jared Dagey looked like maybe the best version of Jared Dagey that I had talked about all offseason. Um, and perhaps it is some sort of poetic irony that Jarrett Dagey did, in fact, look so good against TCU after I spent all offseason talking about how good I thought he could be. Um, Dagey, 21 of 28 for 257 yards, 9.2 average yards per play. The West Virginia offense averaged 0.19 EPA per play, um, 0.22 EPA per pass, 0.17 EPA per rush. Um, so really, really good there. A couple of uh, of really big plays that that kind of put the game away. Uh, Garrett Green, the backup quarterback for West Virginia, had a long run of 67 yards that was reminiscent of the um, <clears throat> excuse me of the Will Howard run from 2020 Kansas State. And this game felt very similar, where TCU just was utterly feckless um, on, on one side of the ball um, and and, uh, and and really uninspiring on the other side of the ball. So, um, West Virginia's offense was, was really fine, mostly because they did enough to exploit TCU's terrible rushing defense. And they attacked really smartly TCU secondary and gave their guys opportunities to catch the ball and make plays and make tackle, make, 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 um, TCU miss tackles. So, Let's talk about that a little bit more. I want to be a little more structured than just rambling here, but this might be a little bit rambling. So um, 
if you look at West Virginia's receivers, I think is a, a good place to start here. Their receivers, yards after the catch, um, 65 yards after the catch for Bryce Ford. Reason, uh, Wheaton, he only had 65 yards uh, overall because all of his were uh, screens and, and he was able to um, make people miss. Um, his average depth of target was literally zero, and he forced uh, four missed tackles, had three first downs on six targets and six receptions. Winston Wright Jr., 35 yards after the catch, 59 total yards um, on four four targets there. Uh, and then if you look at Sean Ryan, 81 total yards. He led both uh, both teams, I believe, in receiving. 14 yards after the catch, um, spread out over over four targets or four receptions. So overall, West Virginia was able to kind of find their speedy guys in the air and make a lot of their yards after the catch. Uh, count so 140 yards after the catch on 250 total passing yards. There, Daigie only had a, a depth of target of uh, I believe 6.3. Did I look at this? 7.3 overall. And so um, the the key there for Daigie was he threw uh, he had 30 dropbacks. He was only pressured on two of them. Uh, 28 of his dropbacks were from a clean pocket. He had 77.8 percent completion percentage. Uh, average 9.5 yards per attempt. Um, and notably, one thing we talked about with West Virginia this offseason was that they had some issues with drops. They did not drop a single pass. He did not throw it away. Um, so all of his uh, all of his passes counted towards his adjusted completion percentage of, of 77.8. Uh, notably, another really bad split for TCU when he was blitzed, when Daigie was blitzed. Um, his A dot was 5.5. Whereas when he was not blitzed, it was 8.5, but his yards per recept, uh, attempt, 10.4 when they're blitzed, 8.4 when they're not. So what that means is that when TCU brought pressure, extra guys to try and get pressure, Diggy was able to get the ball out quick, check down, and uh, make up for that by getting yards after the catch uh, overall. So passing game, really, really good for West Virginia just because they knew with the bye week exactly what TC was going to do on defense and what they looked like, and they knew what the rushing was going to um, – they knew what their rushing offense was going to be able to do that it hadn't done all season against TCU, and, uh, and then it looked like they were able to um, – you know, find a passing game that, that 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 really exploited what TCU was going to do on defense. Um, if I look at some of these uh, rushing stats, just both Letty Brown and Tony Mathis averaged more than three yards after contact per rush. Both averaged uh, uh, more than four yards per attempt, um, and and really, uh, man, they were just they were just doing whatever they wanted against TCU, especially late in the second half, where TCU just kind of. Um, I hate saying the word give up about players. Just they, they just lost the plot. Uh, they really did lose the plot. Um, as for TCU's individual defenders, um, uh, it wasn't a, a great game from anyone. Nobody had a, 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 an overall grade higher than 73.5. That was Wyatt Harris. He only played 24 snaps. So use that at your will uh, or you know at your discretion. Of the guys who played... You know, most of the snaps you have Winters, Hodges, Tomlinson, uh, Onia Moby, Carter were in for all 74 snaps. Um, Caesar and Van Zandt were both in for about 66. And then the defensive line and, and other linebackers kind of switched around. But generally, of those guys who were in 60 or more plays, 
Um, only three of them had a grade higher than 60. No, nobody had a grade higher than 68. So um, just a really, really bad performance on the defense. Missed tackles, 17 uh, on, on the day. 17 missed tackles. And uh, again, as, as far as pressures, three total pressures. Um, one, one sack that was actually pretty, pretty great stalled a drive and forced a second and 17. And when West Virginia was behind the sticks, TC was able to do well, but the problem was with West Virginia's efficient rushing, they weren't able, they weren't able to, uh, they, 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 they were staying on schedule. And so they weren't behind the sticks very often. Um, I don't know that I want to talk about anybody specific on the defense. I mean, we, we know who they are. We know what, um, is out there right now and we know you know we know what it's what it's gonna look like um yeah (laughs) i feel like that's all i really have to say about the defense there wasn't a very good performance um really again not over the top um there was a really big one really long pass play from daigie to um Sean Ryan for that 40 yards, uh, and then he found Winston Wright for another 40 yards. But outside of that, most of that was after after the catch, not anything long downfield. Um, and so you kind of couple a you know you kind of string together a couple of plays from the defense that Sean Ryan play, that Winston Wright play, the um, I think it was Bryce Ford Wheaton screen on third and third and 12 late where he got 11 yards, and then West Virginia was able to convert. Um, and then the Garrett Green 67 yard run. And overall, it's, it's, you know, about those four plays really were why West Virginia scored and held on to the ball for, for as long as they did. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, so those were, um, again, y- y- you'd like to not give those plays up to West Virginia, but given what TCU's defense has been, it's, it's understandable. And honestly, I projected that, uh, West Virginia would score in the 20s, so 29, a little bit high, but they did have a couple short fields, and uh, and overall, I, I think this is about what I expected from the West Virginia offense. Although I will say, Jarrett Dagey looked way better uh, than I think he's looked all season, maybe his entire career, and um, that was uh, a little bit a little bit frustrating, given that you'd expect TC to be you know worse against the run, but still disrupt someone like like Dagey downfield. Um. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about the offense. Um, basically, what happened? So nine drives, nine drives overall, I believe. Um, yep, nine nine possessions overall, and basically what happened on all of them was one play derailed the whole thing. So I might go. Um, yeah, I don't know. If you're listening to this, that's great. You're along for the ride. I, I'm going to go kind of drive by drive and just talk about the plays. I charted it this afternoon. And, um, and just kind of talk through what happened as we um, as we went drive by drive and, and and some observations. So drive one, they started out really strong. They ran the glance RPO to Quentin Johnston. They knew exactly who, who they wanted to get the ball and how to get him the ball early. But then they ran um, <clears throat> kind of an inside zone concept to Zach Evans three plays in a row. Two of those are successes. One of those is a failure. And then Evans went out, which I think is kind of the story of TC's offense as of late. They really want to rely on Evans, but for whatever reason, his conditioning um, is not up to, you know, he, he, can't, he can't run the ball 17 times in a row. You know, they're not going to have this Army, Army Service Academy style drive where they just hold on to the ball for eight minutes and give it to Evans nine times. Um, and so when he comes out, 
It is um, after a failed run on first down. And TCU, after they've gone to Quentin Johnson downfield successfully, after they've run successful inside zone, uh, it's it's second and eight. And they throw this weird backwards screen to Blair Conright. Max Duggan gets hit, has to step out, uh, throws the ball at, at Conright's feet. And so that's a nothing burger. And you get third and, and long. And, of course, TCU goes empty. They have five-on-four protection, and they get sacked, and they punt. So TCU started out, got Quentin Johnson the ball, then got behind the sticks after a failed early down run and a really just um, odd play call on second down. And then they have to go obvious passing situation, and, uh, of course, Duggan gets sacked because it's five on four and TCU's offensive line can't stop anyone when they're in five on four. Um, and so that, that was, that was, you know, maybe some signs that things were going to be a little, not, not, not as fun as we thought they were, but at least, Hey, you know what? We moved the ball. Some stupid play call. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, then we go to drive two. Uh, I will say, uh, on, on that second drive for West Virginia, there was the Corey Bethley penalty. I was pretty miffed, miffed by that because it looked like from the stands, the uh, it looked like the running back had engaged as a blocker. But I rewatched it today, and no, Bethley just tackled him. That was actually hilarious. Um, it was a very bad penalty. It was um, something that really helped West Virginia extend that extend that second drive where, where they um, where they scored after they were held to a field goal first down. But um, yeah, that was a pretty bad penalty. I was wrong about that, and that's okay to uh, say that now in the light of day. Um, they also leaned really, really heavily on Letty Brown early. Um, TCU's second drive, again, they go uh, straight to Quentin Johnston. Now they're using a seven-man protection. So seven-man protection means they're keeping a running back and a tight end in addition to all five linemen in. And so what that limits is there's only three guys that are going downfield there, right? Because quarterback is eight and then three wide receivers. So that kind of limits some of the concepts you can do. A lot of these air raid things that Doug Meacham likes to do, the, the air raid tree, um, it, a lot of those are, uh, you know, require some symmetry, require four, four, four or more guys uh, going out. And so that's a little hard to seven man, but they found an out to Quentin Johnson. They went back to inside zone. It was a fail. Uh, they had a check down pass to Evans that went really far. They went to split zone with Evans. That was fail. Inside zone to Evans was a failed run. Uh, and then the drive killer was this just abysmal power read zone sweep that was in bunch formation. It wasn't, it was telegraphed. It wasn't executed well. The defensive lineman was in the backfield before the read point, like before the mesh point even happened. It was way too slow developing. Um, the, the, and, and it just looked really, really bad. That play, um, was a failed third down. And that's, so that on drive two is the play that kind of derailed the entire offense, uh, TCU, TCU punts. So that's two drives in a row where TCU has moved the ball decently, but the rush game has, has not had a successful play since their first two rushes. So that's something to note. I, I, I think I tweeted this earlier, but TCU called 14 design rushes in the first half. Only two of them were successful. Um, they they absolutely had no rushing success early on because West Virginia took it away from them. Uh, drive three was a lot better. Um, they had a, a six-man pressure, and Duggan was looking for Quentin Johnson, um, and he uh, 
went to the uh, one of Quentin Johnson had that had the Evans check down there. Then there was the deep pass interference. They run the glance RPO again to Savion Williams, but then you get into this situation. You know that's a first down. Then on first down you have five on four pressure because you go early. You are five on four blocking because you go five wide trying to get some offense going uh, and and maybe develop some of these routes that you want later on. And that led to pressure because TCU can't win five on four protection. Um, and, and so Max Duggan scrambled, was a failed play. You have an inside zone to Evans. That was a failed play. You need a conversion there. They go stick to Quincy Brown. So Quincy Brown just runs, turns around, catches the ball. Great play. Would love to see a lot more of that because that is getting the ball to your athletes, making sure you're moving and staying on schedule and giving them the opportunity to break a play and um, kind of get downfield. So... They get the stick to Quincy Brown. They run the pistol inside zone to Evans, which when they are in the pistol, all they do is run the ball. It is 100% telegraphed. It is the most amazing thing that I've ever seen. Literally, it is just that they are running the ball out of the pistol. Um, That's a fail. They run again. That's a failed play. They have literally on the goal line nine-man protection, which means that there is (laughs) nine guys staying there, and then it is Duggan to Quentin Johnston. And yes, one-on-one, Quentin Johnston in the corner of the end zone, the fade should be a ball that he can go up and get. That's something that should happen. Um, But like, I I just don't love that call. One, I don't love the goal line fade at all. Two, I just don't love that like you you have no innovation at the goal line and your your play call is, oh, I guess on, you know... uh, third and three, I'm just going to have everybody stand still and have Max Duggan just chuck it up and see what happens. Um, I just don't think that's very, I don't think it's very smart. I don't think that's very good about um, what Duggan can do. Um, I would love to see some concepts that probably that tried to exploit uh, West Virginia a little more. That being said, the next play was amazing. I don't know why we took a shot with the fade when we could have just run this and gotten off the field, but um, it was, it was really nice. Uh, Duggan kind of did a play action and there was a little bit of pressure. He rolled right. And this is exactly what Grant and I were talking about on the podcast on Wednesday, where it's like that second option for TCU have to find how to exploit that second option. Well, West Virginia's defense was so keyed in on Quentin Johnson. By this point, they had started doubling him because we're, we're in the second quarter now. And two guys were so focused on him that Tay Barber was able to literally just kind of do a, 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 a walk in place for a second and then run to, run to the right and, and dug in down in for a touchdown. So that right there was TCU's offense, proof of concept, working as planned. The rushing game is still not working, but um, that play right there was saying, hey, when you're doubling our best guy, we can find someone to make you pay. That's what TCU's offense should be. They have this whole stable of guys that are catching the ball, um, that are able to catch the ball and able to make plays. And I just, um, it's, it's crazy that that doesn't happen more often. Okay. So, um, touchdown, good drive. The only drive that didn't have, uh, something derail it really. Um, drive four was who, this is a rough one. This was a rough one. Um, they start out and they run inside zone to Evans on first down. It was a failed drive. There's two, two left. Um, and, uh, it, they have two timeouts. They go deep to Quentin Johnston. Duggan was hit while he threw it, but he found him. Then first down, we're in the close to the red zone. False start on first down. Makes it first and 15. Then TCU runs it inside zone to Evans. 
Um, and so that's bad because you get first of 15 and then you get a failed play. And so now you have two obvious passing downs where uh, really, really deep. And so on both of those, five on four protection for the first uh, run and Duggan scrambled. He was hit, um, didn't get anything there. The second one, West Virginia only bought three guys. So that was five on three from TCU. Duggan scrambled again, and that was a success. Then they had a an Evans run. It was a failed run, and there was another penalty. And so that turns us from first and 10 to first and 20. They threw a screen to Quentin Johnson on first and 20. It was behind the line. It got blown up. There were like six West Virginia guys there. And then, all right, we've got to go to, to, to five wide. So Duggan scrambles. Um, he throws it to Quentin Johnson. That wasn't quite a drop, but... It was an 18-yard pass that could have been a touchdown that Quentin Johnson feasibly could have had. It was a little high, but feasibly he could have had that. Um, I just don't think he was expecting to get the ball there. Uh, and then four on six protection, Duggan gets uh, Duggan gets pressured. He scrambles. He hits Savion Williams, but he's just short of the touchdown. So the uh, two penalties there really set TCU back on early downs, which led to them being in these obvious passing situations, and they couldn't um, they couldn't convert as well as. They uh, they wanted to there along with the screen to Quentin Johnson on early down that just kind of um, dug them in. So so that for me now is one two three four. That's on four drives on four drives. That's that's five plays there that just kind of turned things around um, and completely stalled TCU. That weren't um, Max Duggan. That weren't Quentin Johnson. That weren't Zach Evans. They were the offensive line penalties and they were play calling um, and kind of play sequencing. So um, let me run through the next couple of drives that are a little faster. We go to halftime. And what happens at the half, um, TCU is down uh, 17 to 20. It's, it's not great, um, but it should have gone better. And you're like, all right, we had a couple of drives there. We stalled early in the offense. There's a couple of stupid things we did. We'll figure that out. No big deal. We scored on our last two, two drives. Um, we moved the ball really, really well. And even though our rushing game isn't doing great, our passing game's clicking a little bit. Duggan with seven for 11 at the half. Um, and TC only had two of 14 runs be successful, not including Duggan's scrambles, which were, um, I think, all successful but one. What they did at the half, what West Virginia did, was said, Quentin Johnston is not going to beat us. And so they decided that they were going to be able to stop the run by, and they went to a light box. So a light box means you have fewer guys in the in the box actually up there. Um, across from the offensive line and in the linebackers there. I uh, think kind of the tackles, right? Uh, across across from the tackles kind of in two levels. Who's in the box there? They move that linebacker safety out of the box and they go three, two. So only five guys in the box. For TCU's rushing concepts, that, that means that TCU has plus numbers in the run game. Um, Kendra Miller comes out. He has two successful runs uh, against a five-man box, a third successful run against a six-man box. And then Evans comes in and West Virginia switches to four down, four down linemen, and they have seven guys in the box. Uh, Evans has a failed run on, on first down. Um, then De Mercado against the six-man box has a failed um, failed run, and it's uh, third down. TCU goes for a pass again, five on four, fine blocking, only a five-man blocks. Uh, basically, because it was five wide, Duggan was able to scramble. So again, TCU's best offense here is... It's like playing um, Madden in 2004 when you're uh, Donovan McNabb uh, or like Mike Vick, whatever the year is, and all you do is just run four verts and then you just run around until you get open. And then you, uh, as the quarterback, you you go get a first down or a huge a huge play. 
Um, that's kind of the offense TCU ends up having to run in the second half because West Virginia just said, yeah, we're going to double your downfield receivers. Like, there's nothing you can do about that. Um, and so they, they keep working on the run. But again, TCU, after Duggan Scramble, has a um, first and 10, and they have a false start, uh, which takes them to first and 15. Uh, TCU, six-man protection. Quentin Johnson is doubled up. There's only one read there. And uh, Duggan scrambles. They don't get the first. Five-man ro- five box against De Mercado failed run because West Virginia is able to just, even with even numbers, is able to stop TCU's rushing attack. Um, and then Duggan throws his first interception. Um, basically, this, this one was, this one was um, rough because it was very similar to the Cal play, the Cal interception on the TCU, whatever, their own like seven, and it was a pick six. Um, there, there isn't a second read here. I think that the mind... The mindset is drop back, quick throw, just get the possession on an out route, and 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 then we will uh, pick up the first down and then kind of move on. And so that's that's troublesome because um, the way that that was implemented was that Max Duggan one TCU lined up in a way that made it very obvious what they were going to do. Uh, the announcers actually did a good job on the broadcast, kind of talking about you know this is. Um, this is uh, one of whoever it was, Cook, I think it was. Uh, this is, uh, you know, Cook is one of the best uh, coverage guys that Neil Brown says he's ever had. Really smart guy, veteran player. And, and what Cook did was just know, okay, they want, you know, it's third and four. They're going to try and go for this on four. I've got one-on-one with Quentin Johnson back here. Um, I'm just going to go jump this route because I think they're throwing an out route. And he has that benefit because... Again, because West Virginia can stop the run game with a light box, they have an extra guy in the secondary, which means they can put him over the top. And so that safety comes over the top. So if, on the off chance, Quentin Johnson is just doing a move and then going deep, which he would never do because CeCe doesn't have to do that, if that was happening, then uh, the you know Cook there would have plenty of time uh, to recover because he has help over the top, and the help over the top would make sure it isn't necessarily a big play. So he he takes a gamble and and a very smart gamble, a, 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 a positive and expectation gamble, and he and he picks the ball off. Duggan stared it down a little bit, but again, um, this was one call. There's not a read. Duggan stares it down, and you know Neil Brown said that's the best cover guy I have. He jumps the route uh, and he has over the top help. So not great. Um, TCU in, in, inside the West Virginia 25 comes away with zero points there. This is kind of the beginning of the end. Um, I think that that last field goal drive where, where last first drive of the second half, the, the field goal drive, just they, they should have scored there. And the penalties and the um, fact that they didn't go for it on fourth and goal at the two and they like lined up and then let West Virginia call timeout and then kick the field goal anyway, that just felt like um, – that, that felt like a white flag, and I think that uh, a lot of the players similarly felt like that. But this interception play, I think that was Doug enforcing a ball. I think it was, a um, very again, a very obvious call. And TCU comes away with nothing. Um, next drive, then, is drive number six. At this point, we're at TCU scoring uh, 10 points on five drives. That's two points per drive. So that's very bad. Um, TCU goes three and out. On the next play, um, five on four, uh, Quentin Johnson dropped it. He dropped it 58 yards, 
in the breadbasket, um, fought off the, the guy. That's a touchdown, absolute touchdown. And, and Quentin Johnston dropped it on, on first down. Um, really frustrating. 58 yards in the air. Maybe the best ball that Duggan has thrown in his life. And, and it's dropped. It wasn't, there was one against SMU, right, where there was pass interference. And you're like, oh, man, it had been cool if they'd have caught that. But, look, you still get the yards. No big deal. This was just a drop. Um, TC runs it on second and 10. And it's, again, not successful because the rush game doesn't work. Um, and then TCU against four-man pressure on third and six. Uh, Evans is, is pressured. He tries to throw the – or Duggan is pressured. He tries to throw to Evans. It goes out. Um, so, so that drive right there is the one that really, really hurts because let's go look at, I mean, looking at what Duggan did on the day, Duggan was 16 for 26 with 244 yards, a touchdown and two interceptions. Um, if he, if Quentin Johnson catches that ball, TCU scores right there. Like that's, it was a touchdown play. Um, and so that brings Duggan to almost 300, uh, exactly and takes him up to, 65% completion on the day. And I, I think that our perception of TCU would be a lot better and a, of, of Max Duggan would be a lot better if Quentin Johnson had just caught that ball. Um, that, that was an absolute killer uh, drop. And there's not a lot you can do. There's not a lot you can ask Max Duggan to do other than what he did uh, by, by getting that ball where it was, especially coming after um, – a, an interception on the drive before to stand up on first and 10 and, and chuck the ball downfield confidently. I love that they let him throw it again because they don't, they, they don't often do that. When Duggan makes a mistake, they kind of, they kind of go away from the downfield, but again, they're down and they needed to. And so that, that one was just um, immensely, immensely frustrating because that was really, that, that was the nail in the coffin there. Uh, TCU scores there. It's 24, 23 TCU and then we're talking about an entirely different game but that really felt like the air went out so um the next drive the first play they go back to going deep Duggan throws a um an okay ball he makes the right decision but he kind of floats it in there to Johnson again and the it, it probably should have been fine except for the fact that West Virginia was doubling Johnston knew where the ball was going, was not afraid of anyone. The receiver, the the cornerback rather, was in front of Johnston, and Johnston was wide open when Duggan threw that ball, but he's got to have the self-awareness to know West Virginia is spying Johnston. The safety was already breaking towards him. Like, they they knew. They knew it was coming. He was able to play uh, center field. So that was pretty rough. Um, and so then again, you've got uh, the drop derails it. You've got the false start derails the first drive and they don't score. You've got the drop that derails uh, the second drive and they don't score. And so there's three drives left or uh, interception. There's two drives left. Um, that eighth drive, I mean, TCU just ran and they tried to run, uh, but they, they ran three successful run plays um, and then it's second and four. They run into a seven-man box. That's a heavy box. There's a lot of guys there. It's a fail. Um, and then third and one, they run against a light box, and they're able to because again, West Virginia just didn't want them to go downfield. They didn't, and, and they weren't able to go downfield. Um, uh, again, five-man box. TCU drop backs, drops back, and 
Um, it's hit at thrown. They run inside zone against the light box, and it's a failed play. And then third and seven, um, again, a light box means that TCU has plus numbers. And on third and seven, they can't get the first down because they run inside zone. They go for fourth and two, and it's a seven-man box. Again, heavy box. You don't want to run when you don't have numbers. And if they have seven guys in there, uh, even even eight guys in there, that, that's going to be a little harder. And so they, they the play calling was inconsistent with what West, the looks West Virginia was giving um, because West Virginia just said, we, we don't care about the run. We're just going to let you run your head against the wall all day. We are going to um, we're going to take away the pass. So uh, fourth and two linemen fell down, absolutely blown up. That's the game. And then Duggan in the two minute offense where he thrives often. Um, West Virginia is dropping eight too. So uh, you know he hits Quincy Brown, and then they drop eight again. He's complete to Quentin Johnston. Uh, he he you know Duggan gets pressured. He steps up in the pocket. He throws to Quentin Johnston. Johnson fumbles. Um, that 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 really was the end. I don't even count the last one. You know, I mean that that last drive, Duggan found Barber. He threw a pass to Marcel Brooks, which is fun. Um, but they're you know they're just trying to get something out of nothing, and then he gets sacked in the game. So um, overall, that 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 was a lot of rambling. But that's kind of the narrative of the game was TCU just in the first half. TCU's coaching staff made crucial. Uh, errors and 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 I'll, I'll say the um, false start, for instance, is is uh, I attribute that to the coaching staff, um, and and they kept running the ball when the rushing game was not working at all, and it was not working so much that in the second half, TCU deflated after uh, presumably a first half that did not go great, and it didn't feel like the coaching staff was setting up players in the uh, best way to succeed. Um, has to go and 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 West Virginia just says yeah uh, you can run if you want we don't care we're just going to stop the pass and and so that was really what felt like the tale of two halves West Virginia switching to a light box throwing that extra safety on the field doubling Quentin Johnston that's really the that's really what what took over here so I think that the big issue here in this game is not one of um, Like, it's bad. Obviously, TCU should have beat West Virginia in this game. Obviously, TCU's offense should have scored more than 10 points. The second half was so flat, and it really looked like a lot of um, just general dejection. I think that um, if I were in charge at TCU right now, what would be the conversation is is this. Because, look, I understand um, it would be really nice if life was so simple that all we had to do was say, oh, fire this guy and everything's going to go great. Hey, uh, switch quarterbacks and everything's going to go great. One, Max had a fine game, maybe even a very good game. So I don't want to talk about that. But we talk about the coaching staff. I think what we have to look at is um, since Kenny Hill left in 2017 uh, as a player and, and became a coach, um, the TCU offense has not been good. The defense has been lacking in some key areas, but it uh, has been masked by some superstars. And as those superstars have not come up as often, even as TCU has recruited more, um, the defense has been exposed this year. And so they brought in an offensive head coach to, you know, kind of coach the offensive side of the ball. They have shuffled some guys around to try and improve. Um, 
and get the right mix of, of who's where. They brought in Coach Applewhite. They brought in, brought back Meacham. Um, but I think that the conversation needs to be either um, the entire offensive staff is fired and you hire you 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 hire an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator to do to oversee those units uh, to do the play by play on the field stuff, um, and you supervise them, or you uh, move move to a special assistant to the athletic director role. Um, that is not to say anything. Uh, about, hey, we need to fire the head coach. Hey, this needs to happen. What needs to happen is there needs to be a wake-up call of this is unsustainable. You've tried a couple things. Clearly, we've got to do so. We've got to hit a home run. We've got to, we've got to swing for the fences here and continuing to hire people that you know and put them in positions and say, I trust them. I know them. They're going to do good work. Uh, clearly, that is not sustainable for the long run. Uh, I think this game in particular is is a perfect example of how um, the results on the field have to matter. And I think we've got a big enough sample size since 2017 to understand that um, nothing's getting better. I think there was some hope that, uh, you know, the offense did improve, but but even in a game like this, um, there, there was so much sloppiness along the offensive line. There was so much um, just absolute head-scratching nonsense in the timing of some of these ridiculous play calls. Um, there was so much uh, just just running for the sake of running and not being able to do it successfully that I really think we're in a situation where it, it has to be the entire offensive staff has to go and you have to hire an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. Again, we are talking um, not about uh, hashtag fire Gary Patterson. Get out of here with that. Um, we are talking uh, – the, the man has earned the right – to end his tenure on his own terms, for better or for worse, that is unequivocally too, if you, tr- true. If you if you disagree with that, you're unserious. That's fine. Um, he, he's earned the right to go out on his own terms. There is um, political economy in how we manage the transition, but part of that transition can be everyone around you is modernizing. They're trying new things. They're innovating, and if you don't do that, you're going to get left behind. And you're going to ruin your legacy. That has to be the framing here. Um, I think there's absolutely a world where Gary Patterson could have five more years as a CEO type head coach. Clearly, he's got um, way too much to manage. I think some of the off season, not off season, um, off field stuff has shown that he is um, spread thin. Uh, and um, feeling feeling the weight and the pressure of that, feeling like he has to particularly care for every nook and cranny of TCU football. And I get that, and I get the obsessiveness, and I, I think that's an admirable trait in, in coaches in some ways, but clearly this is unsustainable in this current manifestation. And um, there has to be some kind of, it can't even be an ultimatum. There just has to be some kind of guidance in how we manage the transition. Um, and so I think I'm being a little bit vague and back and forth there, but I think what I'm officially advocating for after this game, after the um, just absolutely bewildering um, play calls that stalled the the first couple of drives, um, after seeing what the offense can do on the drive where they scored the touchdown, 
um, after seeing the false starts and the holding penalties and the um, lining up like you're going to go for two, but just knowing that you're waiting for West Virginia to take a timeout and then taking a penalty and kicking at the half um, to take it from 20 to 14, which is a one score game to 20 to 17, which is a one score game. Um, yeah, just did not feel like the coaching staff was 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 leading or inspiring in the first in the first half, and it felt like the players kind of came unraveled in the second half because of it. And that's really the first time that I think I've felt this and seen this uh, from a TCU team, specifically not in the even the SMU game. The SMU game was like, man, the defense just got their butts kicked, just absolutely not prepared, didn't know what they were doing, um, got pushed around, and that's embarrassing. But here. I still think West Virginia is not a very good team. Uh, they, they played well and they played very consistently tonight and they took advantage of everything TCU gave them. But I think that absolutely um, TCU should have been able to come out of the half raring to go and, and drop serious points. Um, and, it, and it speaks to me that after the half, they were that much worse and they had no answer for, for West Virginia's halftime adjustments. So not only did TCU not really adjust at halftime, they had no answer for TCU's halftime adjustments. So um, I, I think dramatic change top to bottom. I thought I talked about this a little bit in the offseason, but um, when's the last time TCU's reevaluated their strength and offseason conditioning program? They have guys um, hurt often. Um, they have guys who have uh, conditioning issues. Um, and, and, and I wonder just if there weren't more ways to optimize kind of the program from the ground up, looking at how are we doing strength and conditioning? How are we doing install and, and volume practice load? Um, how, how, how much are we asking our guys to hit and how are we asking them to hit in camp, in practice? Um, all, all of that wholesale. And I think the way that changes is you have to, um, fire the uh, entire offensive staff. You have to, um, rehire, not rehire, but hire out of network for the offensive staff. And you have to hire a defensive coordinator. Um, that, that, that's my ultimatum. Uh, again, Gary Patterson's legacy is one of an excellent program builder, um, a great football defensive mind, but, uh, things are changing and it's okay to struggle with change in life and in a football sense. What it's not okay to do is to flounder and not, uh, accept help, not ask for help, not um, grow, change, and improve. And so in the interest of TCU football growing and improving, um, I will wrap this podcast up here and say this was a very disappointing loss. This offense is really fun, and I think that just makes it a little bit more bitter uh, that the defense is so bad and um, that the play calling is a mess. And um, hopefully this offseason – if TCU makes a bowl, um, TCU is able to um, kind of restructure dramatically and actually make some changes uh, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, hopefully this is not something <laughs> we have to talk about for the entire offseason or the rest of the uh, current administration, but um, it, it, it very well might be. So this has been um, unfiltered. This is rambling, deep dive offensive breakdown here, but um I always feel better externally processing uh, and uh, seeing what people uh, see what people think about uh, about all this too. I, I, you know, it's like, hey, let's talk about this and, and figure it out. So I asked some people 
Um, man, that's a terrible transition. I'm really bad at this by myself. I've been talking for 43 minutes now. Um, I asked people to give me their one game thoughts and uh, I'll tell you how wrong you are. So I'm going to read some of these. Uh, Nick Pick says, few know the true meaning of fandom, but in the last two decades, TCU fans have come to know its fully saturated definition. Um, yeah, I like that. I feel like TCU hasn't known hard times. They've known less than ideal times. But um, yeah, this is the first time TCU football has had hard times under Gary Patterson. Um, J.D. Saylor says, Max forced bad throws in the second half after watching the coaching staff quit on the team in the previous combined four quarters. Um, I understand the sentiment underlying that. And I do think that definitely after after halftime, combined with the West Virginia second half defensive adjustment, uh, I do think that there was some lack of uh, inspiration, motivation. Um, Mason Treen says, you've got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. Um, I agree. Uh, Ian Boyd says, TCU athletics program is facing some tough years ahead, and that certainly may be true. It could be the case these are the tough years. They could make some changes. You look at how many programs uh, just absolutely flip the switch by bringing in the right person, and so I think that TCU could do that. Um, Hunter Cook says, do not hire Jeff Trailer before my team does or else I, TCU is going to lose that race. Um, congratulations to Texas Tech on Jeff Trailer. Um, <laughs> Matt Jennings says, redacted. That's his one game takeaway. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, MK, friend of the pod, highlights uh, that they um, the Frogs were... were um, Throwing in some unnecessary situations with seven minutes left down two scores while running. I think what he's saying is that uh, TC was running too much in the second half when they were down, and that meant they were throwing in some unnecessary situations uh, as well. But I I think so. Um, Let's see. What else? Uh, Bayou City Frog, friend of the pod, has one of the weirdest gifts I've ever seen. Melissa Trebowser says, I hate it here. Uh, Adam Bakira just goes straight to the bottom, just absolute lowest common denominator. And he says, Kansas circled their game against TCU as the one conference win they can get. Um, Chris Bovenkamp highlights that there's really some passionless defense and the offense plays like it has to score every possession, which I like. Um, I like that the offense wants to score every possession, but yes, the fact that they have to is, is, is very frustrating. Uh, Mark Tenninger, I'm going to censor that, says throw a gosh darn slant. I, I agree. Some crossing routes would be really nice on the offense. Some intermediary throws. That's nothing we've said. Um, man, there are so many. Uh, there are way more down here than I thought there was. Um, I will point out, so so Doug at Surgery Dude says, Baylor has figured out how to succeed in Waco, and we are struggling in DFW. Um, Baylor... I mean, Baylor's been really bad for a couple of years and they've hired two coaches and um, it, it remains to be seen whether they are succeeding in Waco or whether they are just above water in a year where um, there's a lot of volatility. So I think that comparison's not not ideal, um, although I do like what they're doing. Um, I will end this with, with Team Radar's uh, thoughts here. Um, he says, and I quote, the universe is cruel, is a cruel, uncaring void. The key to being happy isn't a search for meaning. It's just to keep yourself busy with unimportant nonsense. And eventually you'll be dead. Yeah, 
This has been the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. You can find me on Twitter at Stats of War. I threw up a bunch of stuff about film um, and then just some thoughts on the game uh, over there. And I'm happy to chat, keep the conversation going. Um, And it's Kansas State Week, so I'll be over on Bosco's Boys, which is a Kansas State podcast run by my friend Scott. would suggest you go listen to them. Uh, I'll do a little TCU stuff for them. And then Grant and I will be back on Wednesday to preview, um, you know, the wheel of time continues to march. And so we'll see how TCU can maybe steal a win against uh, Kansas State. Until then, go Frogs.